Very good morning to you. I'm surprised to see Hector up here this morning in announcements. I think he uh, has yet to sleep um, after the midnight run last night. I cheated. I dropped out somewhere along the line and uh, went home because I knew I needed to do this this morning and actually try and make some form of sense. Um, So... To all the guys that were there, what an incredible event. Um, last year, I think they said they had like 94 people. And last night, we had 190-something rock up. Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, really, really great. So well done to the guys for that. Um, what I loved is it was so much more than just a fundraiser. It was really the group of people that pulled in. And it was a great outreach event. It honestly was just time to connect with folks in the biking community. This week, I don't have my movie voice this morning at all. I've just got a voice this morning and I'm grateful for that. Um, But this week, last couple of weeks, we, we, we had been doing a series called Pause. And we'd uh, worked through quite a bit, and it was a massive encouragement to you, to me. I trust that it was a, a massive encouragement to you. It was exceptionally challenging to me. Last year, last week, we, we ended the, the, the series off with just speaking around circumstance and, and circumstance in our life and, and not allowing circumstance to dictate our story, but to really allow God to be and remain the author of our story. It resonated with many of you. I got a lot of messages. I got a lot of stuff that was sent to me. Someone sent me a video clip uh, of a lady by the name of Lisa Tukurst. I hope I'm saying that right. And in this video clip, she said a couple of things, and it really challenged me. And the, today, the, the message really stems from that, what, what God kind of processed through my life during the week regarding that. Um, if you missed out on our pause series, please... Hop onto our website, bikerschurchmidrand.co.za. You can go download it there. But we are now also on podcast, which I'm really, really grateful for. Um, it's exciting to see that you can go onto podcast, your favorite podcast platform, go and subscribe, and weekly the message will be dropped to your phone, tablet, or computer, whichever one you're listening from. Um, just this past week, we actually had a hundred and plenty, a hundred and something um, people listen online to last week's message. So for the most part, it's not you folks sitting here. So we're reaching a whole other group of people, which I'm really excited about. Um, Clearly, I'm excited about that. But um, (laughs) as for this week, as for this week, I want to pick up on this thing of circumstance. I want to pick up on this thing of circumstance because I uh, clearly... There's something happening around this, um, this issue of circumstance. And, and we all face circumstance. We all, we all have to engage with circumstance every day. Isn't that the truth? And circumstance has this way of evoking emotion in our lives. Uh, our circumstance will either, will either evoke an emotion of, of, of joy and, um, and, and, and peace um, but circumstances also has a way of evoking distress and disappointment. And I don't think that we are unique 
to that happening. In fact, when I go and look in the Gospels, I, I read of Jesus in, in Matthew 26, verse 36 through 34. Matthew 30, uh, 26, verse 36 through, 30, through 46. Sorry, getting all my sixes and my, and my fours and all that mixed up. But as we look at that portion of Scripture, it's really the night that Jesus is betrayed. It's the night that Jesus is arrested. And, and here Jesus is, he's on the Mount of Olives, he's in the olive grove, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's got his disciples with him and he, he says to them, hey, you guys watch and pray, I'm going to go off by myself and I'm going to go pray, I'm going to go speak to my father. So he leaves his disciples, he goes and, and, and he prays quite a lengthy prayer, but there's, there's this portion within that prayer where, where he reaches the point where he recognizes what's about to happen. He understands his circumstances. He understands that in a few moments, guys are going to come walking through the garden asking, where is this Jesus? And Judas is going to walk up to Jesus and kiss him on the cheek, pointing out that that's the guy that you're looking for. He's going to be betrayed by a friend. And that's his circumstance. And then uh, these guys are going to take him and they're going to beat him into submission, not knowing that he's so happy to just go with them. Why? Because he recognizes that it's his purpose. And from there, he'll be spat on and mocked and accused falsely and he'll be beaten and whipped and hung on a cross and die go to the grave and three days later he will be risen but he'll first have to go through all of that in order to get to the third day and Jesus recognizes in this moment that these are his circumstances. And he prays this prayer. He says, Lord, if it's your will, will you take this cup from me? What's he saying? Lord, will you change my circumstances? Will you take the circumstance away? Will you take what I'm about to go through? If there's any other way, will you take it away? And there's no response. And Jesus gets up and he goes back to his disciples where he said to them, hey, watch and pray. He meets with them. And what are they doing? They're sleeping. And Jesus experiences disappointment. And he goes, could you not just pray with me for one hour? And they're fast asleep and they probably felt kind of bad. Cause, but the truth is, how bad could they really have felt? They didn't know what was about to happen. They just felt bad because they disappointed him. And he goes away and he goes and he prays again and he says, Lord, Take this cup from me. And nothing happens. He goes back to his disciples only to find them sleeping again. And after a while, Jesus actually just says to them, just sleep. Like he doesn't even try with them anymore. He's just like, just sleep. And he goes back and he prays again. And he says, Lord, take this cup from me. And then he prays these words. And he prays, but not my will. Yours be done. So Jesus recognizes his circumstances, but even in the midst of his circumstances, Jesus prays a prayer where he says, Lord, I choose to submit to your process. I choose to submit to your plan for this life. 
What, what was Jesus doing there? He was, submitting his, he was submitting his deity. He was submitting himself as God. And he was saying, Lord, as a man, as a human being, I will go through this process. Not my will. I want to book it. I want to, you know, if there's another way, I want out. But not my will, yours, be done. And here we see Jesus surrender to his heavenly father's process. Now, as I said, Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane, surrounded by olive trees, essentially. And I don't believe that, that it's by chance that Jesus was surrounded by olive trees. There is, there is a process that olives need to go through in life in order for you to eat them and me to eat them and today i'd like to talk through some of these principles that we can learn from the olive tree here jesus is and he's just had to surrender himself to the process of god and he's surrounded by these trees that represent quite a fierce process this process speaks into your purpose and my purpose. It speaks into our circumstance and it speaks into our need for surrender to God's process. The first thing that we can learn from, from the olive tree is this. The olive tree needs both conditions, good and harsh, to produce fruit. Let me explain. For an olive tree to produce fruit, it must endure harsh times and good times. If we look at the Garden of Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane was essentially, it was in its geographic location, it was in a place where it is ideal to grow olives. Why? Because the east wind, is a, is, it's a harsh wind. It's, it's a wind that blows straight from the desert. So it's a really hot wind. It's a brutal wind. It's a wind that has all the potential for destruction. If you go and read in the book of Job, it's the exact same wind that blew over Job's house and caused the destruction that it did. The beautiful thing about Job's story is that it's still a story of restoration, isn't it? So even though the, the, the east wind blows through, through Job's life, so to speak, and destroys everything, we go and we look at the end of Job's story once he's gone through God's process, and we see restoration in the life of Job. Then there's the west wind. And the west wind is the, the wind that blows straight off the Mediterranean Sea. And it's a cool breeze on a hot day. It's refreshing. It's the sort of, it's the sort of wind that we like. Not right now, but in a couple of months time. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's the sort of breeze that, that when you've been out, all the off-road guys, we're the off-road guys. When you've been out riding in the bush and you've, you know, there are times where there's no wind that gets in and out when the bush is dense. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And then you get into a clearing and there's this breeze that blows through. And all your sweat has like, made you just wet. It's fantastic. Guys are like, yeah. All the girls are like, mm, gross. <laughs> but as you ride out into that clearing and that breeze blows on you, it's like an air conditioner. Isn't it fantastic? 
And that's that west wind. That's that refreshing wind of the Mediterranean. And essentially, the olive tree, in order to produce the fruit that it was created <laughs> to produce, it needs both the good times and the harsh times in order to produce that fruit. Now the truth is, our lives work the exact same way. You know, the truth is when that west wind blows, that refreshing wind, if we're honest, so often we love it so much that we get complacent. You know, we, we, we kind of just rest on our laurels, like things are going well. Bank balance is really not looking all that bad. You know, the car hasn't broken in forever. The motorcycle is styling. It's, it's working well. I've even got new tires on. Everything's going good. Kids are healthy. My wife still loves me. Life's good. West wind is pumping. And what happens? There's this perception that I don't really need God as much right now. We don't say it, obviously. We'd freak people out. But in our own lives, it's kind of the way our behavior goes. Our prayer time starts slipping. Our, our time spent in God's word starts, starts slipping. Our worship maybe just becomes a little non-existent in those moments. Why? Because things are going good. And whether I'm aware of it or not, I've kind of lost my need for God. And then... The east wind shows up. And it's the sort of wind that we run away from. It's the sort of, it's the sort of t conditions that we want to go and hide. And just, you know, ostrich mentality. Head in the sand, I'll hang out here till it's gone. And, and life doesn't work that way. You know, we, we, we run away from this. But the truth be told that that. During these hard times, that is when God, more often than not, has the most freedom to work in our lives. Why? Because I'm this wide open for whatever He has. All of a sudden, I'm, man, my prayer life is going through the roof. I'm reading the Word of God as often as I can. I'm spending time in worship. Why? Because I'm longing for breakthrough. I'm longing for those west winds again. I'm longing to see the realities of God in my life again. And yet these are the moments that we run away from, but yet these are the moments that God so often uses the most to do the greatest things in our lives. And the truth is that we need both in order to produce the fruit that God desires to see in our lives. This is why James said it this way in James 1 verse 3 to 4. He said, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. It's nice on paper, isn't it? It's a different ballgame in life. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing 
nothing. When we go through the good and the bad and allow God's process to happen in our lives, it says that we become complete, needing nothing. Why? Because we have the fullness of who God is in our lives. Folks, whether we are aware of it or not, or whether we like it or not, our lives need to go through the process of good and harsh in order to prepare us for God's purpose for our lives. So, now that the tree is grown and it's producing fruit, it's going through these conditions, it's going through these circumstances, there's fruit on the tree. Who's ever eaten an olive straight off an olive tree? Anybody? Okay, I've heard a couple of grumbles, so I'm taking that some people have. A couple of years ago, I was walking with a friend of mine. You know, it sounds really romantic, not me walking with a friend of mine. Um, but when we think of, you know, walking and picking an olive off an olive tree and eating it, and, you know, you kind of see this guy and this lady, they're walking through this vineyard of... It wouldn't be a vineyard orchard, there we go, of olive trees. You know, and they're walking and they're stroking each other's hair and plucking olives and eating and tossing and chatting and discussing life. And it's all so romantic and it's like there's a chick flick in there somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> so this mate of mine, we're walking, not stroking each other's hair. And he asks me, he says to me, hey, dude, have you ever eaten an olive straight from an olive tree? I said, I've never even seen an olive tree. He says, no, this is an olive tree. I'm like, cool. He says, go ahead. Have one. So I go and I pluck this olive. First off, I thought I was chewing a rock. It was hard. <laughs> Secondly, it's bitter. It's absolutely, it tastes nothing like an olive. Nothing like an olive. The truth is that, that an olive in its natural form is hard and bitter. It's not nice at all. Now the truth be told, the human heart is the same, is it not? The human heart in its natural form is hard and bitter. And just... Like the human heart needs to, so the olive, if we go back to this process of the olive, so the olive needs to go through a process to no longer be hard and bitter. So the, the second lesson that we can learn from the olive tree is that the olive must go through a process to get rid of its hardness and its bitterness in order to be useful. An olive in its natural form, if it just stayed like that, it would be a decoration. Wouldn't, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't live out its creational purpose. In order for an olive to be useful, it first has to go through a process. And that process looks like this. The first thing that has to happen to an olive is the, the olive has to be cracked open. Olive has to be cracked open. Once the olive's cracked open, it then gets salted, and then it gets soaked in water. And then it gets salted and it gets soaked in water, salted and soaked in water. And this process happens over and over and over and over until it winds up in your fridge and tastes good. Olive 
needs to go through this process of being cracked open, being salted and soaked, salted and soaked, salted and soaked over and over in order for the olive to be useful. Now the truth is, because the human heart is naturally hard and bitter, we must go through God's process in order to be useful for His purpose. If you're thinking that I'm a bit harsh saying that our hearts are naturally hard and bitter, don't blame me, I didn't say it. In the book of Jeremiah 17 verse 9, it says this, it says, The human heart is deceitful and wicked above all else. The human heart is deceitful and wicked above all else. Who can trust it? The single worst advice I ever hear friends telling each other is this. Man, just follow your heart. Whenever I hear that, I'm like, whatever you do, don't follow your heart. Your heart will lie to you. If you did not know that, then you got your petrol money's worth right here, right now. Your heart will lie to you. Fact. If you want to give your friend really good advice, here's some good advice. Hey, go search God's heart on that. What does God have to say? about this thing in your life. Not your heart, God's heart. Why? Because the human heart is deceitful and it's wicked above all else. And it needs to go through the same process as we've spoken about here with the, with the, with the olive. The truth is that, that our hearts as human beings, we need to go to God. If, if, if we want our lives to be useful in the hands of God, then we have to take our hearts to God and allow Him to crack them open. With his love. We need to allow him to crack our hearts open with his love. Then we need to go to him day in and day out and allow him to salt our hearts with the truth of his word. We need to allow him to soak our hearts in his Holy Spirit. Day in and day out, salt and soak, salt and soak. And as we allow God to, to salt our hearts with the truth of His Word and, and soak our hearts in, the tru- in, in His Holy Spirit, then our hearts become soft and usable for the purpose of God. And this speaks into what we said last week about, about spiritual principles, that there are spiritual disciplines that we should be... Um, adopting into our lives, you know, meeting with God on a daily basis, coming to Him in prayer, just speaking to Him. You know, we try to get too fancy. God's not interested in fancy, folks. God's interested in honest. That's what God's interested in. I don't need to have a theological degree to, to speak to God. I need to have a heart that just goes, Lord, this is who I am. And I know you love me just the way I am. But I know you love me enough to change me into who you created me to be. God loves honest. 
Spend time in His Word. Spend time allowing His Word to challenge us and, and let it be that magnifying glass that it should be in our lives to just go, hey, my boy, pay attention to this. My girl, just watch this area. This isn't, this isn't, I didn't create you for this. You know, forgive, love, you know, bring correction, do whatever, but, but, but allow the Word of God to, to, to do that, that work that only the Word of God can do, and then allow His Holy Spirit to come and just work that into our lives. Why? So that we may be useful in the hands of our Creator. The third thing that we can learn from the olive tree is this. The olive itself is not what's most valuable. The olive itself is not what's most valuable. The, as I said, the, 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 I was sent this two-minute clip of a lady by the name of Lisa Tukurst. I think I'm saying it right. Um, and she made this statement. She made this statement, and, and the statement goes like this. It said, what's most valuable from the olive is only released when the olive is pressured beyond recognition and crushed to the point of almost destruction. Only then will the olive release its most valuable part, its oil. Olives taste good, but from the little bit of research I've done, it's olive oil, an olive in the form of oil, is far more valuable than just a jar of olives in your, in your fridge. Now, what I've just said there has freaked 90% of you out because you've been like, dude, are you saying that we need to go under severe pressure and be crushed almost to the point of destruction in order for the best, God's best to come out? Here's what I'm saying. In our lives, that happens. Is that not the truth? No matter who we are here, somewhere along the line in our lives, we go under the most severe pressure that we don't actually know how to handle it. We, 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 there, there, there comes a time in our life where this crushing happens, where by the time we're done, it's virtually to the point of being beyond recognition. The question is, in that moment, what comes out? What comes out? What's the oil of our lives that gets released in that moment? A couple of weeks ago, I spent some time with some guys who, who went under severe pressure. Severe pressure. And it was interesting to watch what come out. For a lot of them, I've been wrestling with whether I should say this or not, but essentially what came out was poo. Feces, the feces of life. They used all sorts of descriptions to verbalize that. It's funnier than what you guys are making it out to be. I know that it feels like a holy moment, but seriously, um, it is. You know, all sorts of explicit stuff came out, but I thought, man, there's a lesson in that. Isn't it the truth? When I squeeze a tube of Aquafresh, what's going to come out? You know? Not condensed milk, then it'll say dirky. Isn't that the truth? When I squeeze a tube of Aquafresh, Aquafresh is coming out. When we are put under severe pressure and crushed 
to that point, what, what, what comes out? What is the oil of our lives that is being released? What's, because, because that's where the best part of us should come out, isn't it? You see, when I've, when I've allowed God's process to happen in my life, when I've taken on those conditions that have come, the good and the harsh, when I've, when I've allowed that fruit to be, to, 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 to be grown in my life by God, and, and I've, I've, I've gone to Him and, and gone, Lord, I recognize that this heart is, is bitter, this heart is hard, this heart is deceitful and wicked above all else, and Lord, will you take this heart and will you crack it open? Will you take this heart and will you salt it with the truth of your word? Will you take this heart, Lord, Lord, and will you soak it daily in your Holy Spirit? Lord, so that when the crushing comes, so that when the pressure comes, that your oil will come out of me. What's his oil? His Holy Spirit. And what does that produce in us and through us? A God glorifying story. You see, folks, the world around us, when I call myself a Jesus follower, when I say, hey, <laughs> I'm a Jesus follower, you know, I follow Christ, I'm, I'm a Christian, or however you want to label that thing. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a follower of Christ. When, when, I, when I call myself that and when the world around me starts to recognize that, hey, this person is, is one of his, then all eyes are focused on us. And folks are waiting to see us crack. Why? Because unfortunately, God's got bad publicity for centuries. And as a result, we live in a world that's unbelieving. There, there's an old statement that says, um, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today are Christians who acknowledge God with their lips, walk out the door, and deny Him by their lifestyles. This is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. And that's what the world around us is waiting for. But you see, folks, when that pressure comes and when I've allowed God to walk me through his process and work his process in my life, then when that pressure comes and when the crushing comes and when those eyes are on me in that moment, that's when God is glorified. That's when his Holy Spirit comes out and our lives become a testimony. It's just a church word for saying God glorifying story. Our lives become a God-glorifying story to the people around us, to our co-workers, to our unbelieving family, to our, to our, our, our friends, to whoever it is, our neighbors. Our lives become a God-glorifying story. In the book of Revelation, it says that they overcame him, being the devil, the enemy of your soul. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the power of their testimony. You see, all of a sudden, my life becomes this big, shining, neon sign that points people to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But that doesn't happen when I don't allow God to take me through his process. 
I've been so challenged within my own life to trust God's process. You see, folks, as believers, as followers of Christ, we don't get to opt out. We don't get to ask for the check and leave. (laughs) The truth be told, as followers of Christ, as sons and daughters of the Most High God, He asks us, hey, my boy, my girl, trust me. Trust me, your story. Trust me with your story. Those circumstances that you're facing, trust me. That situation that you're facing at work, trust me. Don't try and make a plan. Trust me. In the book of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, it says this. As Jesus speaking, he says, Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God and also trust in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If, they were, if it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Where everything is ready, I will come. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. You see, I think the reason why we so often don't trust God's process is because, because we believe that this here and now is it. This is the be all and the end all. This is as good as life gets. We believe that this is it. We don't believe that there's anything beyond this point. At least we'll say there is, but our lives don't live in that way. You see, the reason why Jesus could sit in the Garden of Gethsemane and say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done, is because Jesus knew that eternity was at stake. Jesus knew that this was just the dress rehearsal for what was to come. And I believe that when we start living lives that speak of God's eternity, then all this stuff we can trust God with. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God, then all these things will be added. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then all this stuff won't matter. When you start living with eternity in mind, I love the way that Paul said it. Galatians 6 verse 14, he says this, he says, As for me, may I never boast again. May I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has also died. Folks, it's time we start living with eternity in mind. Folks, it's time that we start living beyond the temporal, the here and now. It's time that we, that, that we recognize that, that, that God has so much more in store for our lives than 
living day to day caught up in the cares of life. I'm not saying be irresponsible. I'm saying trust God's process. Trust God's process. As the worship team comes back, I have absolutely no doubt in my mind, just engaging with folks during the week, that as we sit here today, all of us are going through our own process. We, we, we're all facing our own circumstances. Are we trusting God with our lives? Are we putting our lives in the care of the Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, the, the, the one who created you and created me. And either that is just a really nice story that we tell our kids when we put them to bed or somewhere along the line we start to believe it. The truth is, folks, We will all face hardship in this life, no matter who we are. I'm not here to depress you, and I'm not here to speak doom and gloom into your life, not at all. In fact, this morning, my desire is to instill hope into you. Because even though we will face hardship, Jesus promised it. He said, he said in this life, you will face tribulation. But be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Take heart. I have overcome this world. This morning, we will all face hardship somewhere along the line. In that moment, are we geared up? Are we, are we tuned in to the heart of God to go, Lord, I trust your process. Lord, right now, will you come and and, and yeah, that east wind is pumping. And I long for the west wind. But that east wind is, it's, you know, I'm kind of feeling like Job's house right now. Lord, even though that wind's pumping, right now, Lord, will you come and crack open this heart? Will you come and crack open this heart? And, and Lord, will you come and, Salt it and soak it with the truth of your word, with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I desire for, for, for me to not go through this for free. I don't want to go through this for free. I don't want to go through this and at the end of it go, oh, what was that all about? All because I just didn't trust you. All because I didn't, I, I hardened myself. And, and, and Lord, right now, I don't want to harden myself. I don't want to go through this for free. I want you to come and crack open this heart. Lord, I want you to come and salt and I want you to come and soak through your word, through your Holy Spirit. Lord, will you come and do the work that is needed? That when the pressing comes and when the crushing comes, Lord, that it is you who becomes my fortress. Lord, that it is you who becomes my shield, just as you promise us in the Psalms. Lord, that it is you who becomes my place of strength, that it is you who becomes my courage, that it is you who becomes my peace, that it is you 
who becomes my joy in those moments that all men may see the glory of God through this life, even in those times. And that God will get the glory. Lord, as you've just heard this this morning, Lord, and as you've been working it in my own life, Lord, Lord, this is not something that we can manufacture or try and do out of our own strength. But Father God, as folks are sitting in this auditorium this morning, Lord, I I thank you. Lord, I thank you that you love us. And Lord, that even as sin entered this world, Father God, that you have made a way of escape for us. Lord, I thank you that in this moment we can come and, and, and recognize that the here and now is temporary. That the here and now, even though it feels permanent, Lord, the here and now is temporary. And a day will come when none of this actually, actually matters. As long as in this moment we come and place our hope and our trust in you, Lord. Father God, I thank you that in this moment we can come and and just say to you, Lord, I choose to trust your process. Lord, I choose to trust your process in my life. Lord, I thank you that today you come and you set eternity in our hearts. Lord, that this week as we engage with you, as we just as we as we come and spend time in your word, spend time in prayer with you, Lord, that in that moment, Lord, you come and you start revealing the fact that the here and now is not it, but that you have so much more in store for us, that you set eternity in our hearts, Lord. Lord, I pray that during this week you come and open up our hearts, Lord. Lord, that through your your word and your Holy Spirit that you come and salt and soak to soften our hearts, Lord, that they can be useful in the hands of the Almighty God. Lord, and that you become the story of our lives. That the story of our lives bring glory and honor to you. And that the story of our lives will draw all men to you, Lord. We commit these lives to you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Folks, if this morning this hits home for you and you'd like someone to just pray with you, please, we're going to have some folks up front here who are willing to and happy and, and, and would love to engage with you and just pray with you. Um, beyond that, trust that you have a wonderful Sunday. We trust that you have a wonderful week ahead. Uh, Hang around, grab a cup of coffee, visit, and um, pray really hard for the mid-season break to finish so MotoGP can come back. Beyond that, have a wonderful week. Amen.
Church.